uh, and and it's on both sides, right? Uh, that's that's the part that's sad, and the polarization is that the media would prefer covering the entertainers, the ones that are getting the most hits, the ones that are being the nastiest. And mm-hmm. in the meantime, we do have other folks who are really trying to get things done. And even if you don't agree with their politics, they are willing to sit down and and negotiate. And I think that's what we need more of. Welcome to Political Contessa. I'm Jennifer Nassor, and this show is here to support your interests in center-right politics, policy, and breaking news. Listen in and discover how to awaken your inner ideal candidate. And if you're ready, how you can jump in and change the world as a runner or a supporter. Welcome to Political Contessa. If you or a friend have ever considered running or you know a woman who should, I've got something just for you. My quick guide called Secrets from the Campaign Trail. It will show you five signs to tell you you're ready to enter the political arena. To get these tips and learn about all new podcast episodes and ways to get involved, head over to politicalcontessa.com. I'd like to welcome my friend Beth Lindstrom today. Beth is someone I admire. We have lots of similarities in our upbringings and in our own work histories and our own families. She is a product of divorce and she worked her tail off to put herself through college and grad school. She's mom of three grown sons. I have just always marveled at her career. She's a beautiful woman inside and out. She's brilliant and she does not take a lot of bull from anyone, which I love. Most interesting about Beth has always been that there are a lot of people who work in government who just work in government. That's that's their job. And that's where they like being. And there's nothing wrong with it. But Beth has spent her career not just working in government, but she worked in party politics. She worked in government. She has sat on a number of boards, but she's a small business owner. And she has been integral in beginning some startups. And I think that's a really interesting making of a candidate, which is funny because she did run for office because of the old boy network. She ended up not making it through her primary, but that is because we have fatal flaws in our party structure, nothing to do with her, but everything on paper made her the perfect candidate, small business owner, involved in her town, involved in her kids' education, has worked on these startups. She is brilliant. She's well-spoken. Everything hits on every single mark. And so I wanted to discuss with her today the cross-sectionality of being a business owner, someone who has done the startup world and also spent the early part of her career in party politics and state government and see how they collide the issues that you face as a woman, as a business owner, someone who's active in the community, and just have a discussion about where this all is and how you can overcome this and the need for more women to get out there and be comfortable and confident running for office. So I'd like to welcome 
my good friend, Beth Lindstrom. Well, with me today for this episode of Political Contessa is my good friend and someone who I've known through politics for a long time, Beth Lindstrom. Beth, welcome. Thanks, Jen. Great to be here. You're one of my favorite people. <laughs> and um, I, I never want to say that you're you're a little bit of an inspiration to me because I don't want you to ever feel like you're any older than I am. <laughs> Like us, okay. Supposed to be frozen at about thirty at this point, Um, (laughs) but you've always been an inspiration to me. You've had an amazing career uh, working in in government and running for office and running a campaign. Um, But what I think I marvel at most with you is the fact you always seem to be starting a new business. You always seem to be have your hands involved in something. And the motivation behind Political Contessa is to be able to talk to that woman who is not sure that they, you know, she wants to run for office and doesn't really think that her voice means much um, outside of what she's doing. I know you and I both have experienced this where it actually does make a big difference and we can't be the only, you and I cannot be the only two women who are ever asked to be on the boards (laughs) (laughs) because they need a Republican and they need a woman and we just kind of fit the quota. Uh, So we need some help out there. So Beth, why don't you go through a little bit of who you are, what you have done, how you've gotten to where you are. Sure. Um, I always say uh, when I talk, and I actually talked to a young woman last night, I'm trying to help her, you know, find where she wants to go next. And that's part of, you know, networking. That's such a big piece. But I always tell people that I feel like my career, my life has been a ping pong ball because I've gone in between government politics and then entrepreneurship and business. And, and I think that that even though I could say, boy, am I expert at anything. But I think that gives me such a rounded perspective, um, especially dealing with government, dealing with politics and understanding, you know, how business works and what it takes to to be successful. So, um, you know, I long time ago worked at the Republican State Party, and that's probably when you were in high school. But anyway, so um, and fell into politics, really. But I found that my true, you know, uh, North Star was you know, individual responsibility and peace through strength and, and just feeling that, you know, my, my mom got divorced when I was seven, my parents, and I worked three jobs, put myself through school. So I always worked hard. And I, that was kind of where I felt I fit in terms of, you know, larger government, smaller government and, and working hard. So I fit uh, working at the state party for a few years and then became the first woman executive director. uh, And then, you know, didn't realize that, you know, you picked a horse where you worked. And so I ended up going down to the lottery and was there for seven years as the first woman executive director of the lottery under Joe Malone. And I, you know, really learned kind of about the business side of things. I went and got my MBA while I was there. And and that is so wonderful for young women to just kind of round off their skill set if they're able to do it, Um, puts things in perspective. But then, you know, jumped back into some startups and then did, um, helped on Scott Brown's uh, campaign while she ran it, you know, he called and said, Hey, what are you doing? Said, I can do anything for five months, you know, and, and it was really an incredible experience was, you know, president of Charlie Baker's super PAC and then ran for office myself. 
Um, but in the meantime, served on um, Governor Romney's cabinet as the Secretary of Consumer Affairs. So my perspective has been so varied, especially again, doing four startup companies and realizing what it takes. And so I think from you know, the perspective of how do you get young women to, to step forward? I think a lot of that kind of goes back to you know, local government or their, you know, it's their kitchen table economics. It's like, how, what, what, you know, do I have to spend? What do I have that's coming in? And, you know, what, what do I, what do I want to see happen in my life with um, where I'm going in my, my economic ability to make more money and, or, you know, whether I have kids and where the, the local monies or the state monies or the federal monies are being spent and, and how can I influence that? I think just to kind of try to circle it back after all my experience, I enjoy talking to young women and I don't want to say young women, all women who are running for office are worried about, you know, do I know enough? Do I have what it takes? And I, um, and I would say yes, yes, yes to all of the above because we're all not homogeneous. And I would say when I was on the campaign trail that there's four to six belief systems around every issue. So you're not going to agree with everybody. And so, you know, part of that is what we're seeing now is the lack of tolerance for anybody who has a differing opinion when you want to step out there and run for office. So, um, but it's scary to run at, you know, in these days, because, you know, for someone who doesn't want to put themselves out there, I think, you know, it, it, the media has such an impact um, on defining who you are. And so I think that's a tough thing. So trying to put all circle the, you know, back from all of my experience to trying to help women. I think it's so important. Um, and not only, you know, all women, but just, you know, training, what do they need? They need a lot of support. So I'm going to stop talking for a second because I don't probably went off on a tangent, but uh, I'm going to let you ask another question. No, I, I love it. And I love how you said um, one of the things I, I started laughing at was when you said I helped on Scott Brown's campaign. <laughs> so Scott Brown, when Senator in Massachusetts, when Senator Ted Kennedy died, Scott Brown, who was a state senator at the time, decided that he wanted to jump in, throw his hat in the ring and run for the position. A Republican hadn't hadn't won that position, hadn't won that seat in what, 40 years yeah, Ed um, since Ed Brooke. He was a little known state senator. And we used to joke back then that you could, and even more so now that you could stick all of our state senators into a phone booth. And so he was one of a very small group. And he went out and he did something that no one was able to do before. And so you didn't just help on the campaign. You ran the campaign and it was a incredibly successful campaign. So um, I think one of the things that us women do right is not right. take credit for the things that we're, we actually participate in. I always say, too, we had a great candidate. We had a great time and we had a great team. And um, I, again, I think this goes back to, yeah, it, it's you know, men would jump out to say, yep, it was all me on the first, you know, opportunity. And women, we are coalescers. We are, we, you know, we work together with, we try to get consensus. So um, I think that's a little, you know, we're just, we're humbling in some ways and, you know, to our detriment possibly. But, uh, but at that time too, that was about um, the Affordable Care Act. 
and the the we were the only race in the country and it was a special election and you know the media was focused on the democrats and we were slowly you know building this crescendo that no one knew about and it just kind of popped you know right before christmas and it was a crazy crazy election but this goes to show the fervor of people who you know don't want to be tread upon by their government and it was just a crazy time. And it brought a lot of people to become politically active because they saw that they actually could make it happen. I think that's one of the frustrating things here in Massachusetts is someone says, my vote doesn't matter. But it does, because even though we are electing more Democrats in this state, there's a big swath of independence. And there's, you know, there's people who can be uh you know, conservative and care about where the money's spent or care about what's being taught in schools, and they don't have to be a Republican. And I think that's, again, part of your mission, Jen, is to, you know, speak to these people and with Pocketbook Project, get out and tell the, you know, counties and the, the local, um, you know, organizations that there's an organization here that can help you put this in perspective and make you feel less scared to step forward. And, you know, that's why, you know, I hope you will be very successful in it. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, and my other mission as, uh, as founder and president of, of Pocketbook Project, and, and that's one of the things that I think is super important that you hit on. So whether you're in Massachusetts or Pennsylvania, New York, Virginia, you're in California, um, you're in Washington state, you run into the same thing. If you're a Republican in a blue state, you run into some backlash, some cancel culture. Um, and what we see is that, or you know, we've seen on the news in the past year, that if you are supportive of someone on the right, then maybe you have a protest in front of your store. Maybe your, um, your business is in jeopardy and people pull away, you lose advertisers. So as a business owner and someone, because you have that cross-sectionality of, of doing both, um, what is, if, it, as, as a woman who runs a business, but you have this interest in, in politics and policy and making sure then, and, and you're a mother and you're a daughter and you, you have all these great life experiences, um, you really have something to offer. And, and I know um, that you out there are, are also in the same position where you have all this to offer. So how does someone overcome the fear of the cancel culture? Number mm -hmm. one, um, well, and and then also the fear of the rejection. I think it is of friends. Um, it, you know, you hear stories. I know you've probably heard these stories. I hear these stories talking to candidates that um, now they're not being invited to cocktail parties, right? Or someone doesn't want to share their opinion at a cocktail party or on the sideline because no one will talk to them again. So how, what is your advice? What is the advice that you give to get over that? Well, it is hard. And especially, um, you know, I recall a, a moment where, well, and I mean, it still exists today because Donald Trump was, a, you know, was, a, you know, same as Hillary Clinton. I mean, he evoked an emotional response. And when I was running, I would say, you know, I agree with many policies, but I disagree on three T's, tone, temperament and Twitter. And everyone nodded their head because everyone could get it. And so I think trying to find that response so that you don't evoke such 
of the emotional response when you are at a cocktail party or if you're a business owner, you've got to kind of position yourself to understand how you separate or you don't. I mean, there's a lot of business owners that say, hey, I'm proud and I'm a you know conservative, I'm a Republican or I'm a progressive and I'm liberal and they wear that. And that's all fine. That's their choice. But knowing that it's really hard in business and sometimes people judge, which everyone judges, you know, you have to decide whether you want that. So I'm an advisor on this company with Gentrio. We do online estate planning. I have that in my LinkedIn. So does that help me once in a while with someone? Maybe. Does it hurt? Maybe. But that's just the way it is. I'm, you know, business development and I reach out and I can connect to a lot of people. On my small business, I have made a conscious decision to not be the face of my business because, and more take it to what the brand is. I mean, it's a salon and day spa and we are a green circle salon. So we recycle everything, but I'm looking, I mean, part of being successful is who is your customer? This is what we did with Scott Brown. It's like, he's a product. We have a market who, how are we going to get people to go to the store and buy it? And again, it's all about branding. So, you know, having had just a lot of expertise in, you know, business, I've kind of kept that in a in a box and let it, you know, let the managers, let the business be its own brand and services and, and let that shine versus, you know, even use, I use my husband's last name versus my last name, just because again, you, you know, you, you just, I just don't need to risk that someone's going to say, well, she was a candidate running for a Republican office. I totally disagree with that. And I don't want to participate. No one even knows that. So that's good because it's about what that business is and what it offers. So, you know, it's just it's hard sometimes. Yeah, it's definitely tough straddling that line. I I laugh. I was doing a um, I'm I'm chairing my daughter's senior fund. Um, Crazy that she's a senior and I'm I'm one of the co-chairs. And we had an event and I got up there and of course I'm a hammer asking for the money because it's my specialty. And so um, I get up there and I am you know self-deprecating and I'm making jokes and I was done. And a couple of parents who didn't know me came over and said what exactly is it that you do? (laughs) Because you seem to have no problem getting up in front of a microphone and you have no problem asking for money. And you had all these lines. And I said, um, so two in particular, I said, oh, well, I was the chair of the Massachusetts Republican Party. And uh, one was interested and didn't know the other people standing around and you could see their eyes kind of lit up like they had more questions and then the other couple kind of just went uh uh uh-huh and started walking away right and i thought well i mean maybe they were going to donate and now they're not (laughs) it's for a kid's school it's not it's not for me but you do see that i mean I, i people i'm always i'm always hesitant to give my last name because uh, there might be people who, you know, Google me or they know, you know, and they are not happy with the things I say. However, um, I think for folks like you and me, the risk, you know, versus the reward on, on going out there and being a public face of what we truly believe in 
has been more rewarding than it has been risking Kristen Cinema, poor Kristen Cinema, with mm-hmm. someone coming into the bathroom at a university mm-hmm. harassing her. None of us ever want that. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. Or Joe Manchin having people kayak up to his, uh, you know, floating home. I think is also, you know, another way that we don't want those things happening. And the only way to stop it is really by having all voices at the table, right? I mean, the polarization that we see today, you know, unfortunately. I think it began with Lion Ted and Small Hand Marco, and it has just the left grabbed onto that and just took it as their own to also harass people. We saw the president of the United States slamming mansion and cinema as well and not condemning someone walking into a woman's bathroom after a woman asking her questions and violating her privacy. So I think that polarization is something that Mm-hmm. We need to stop. And for those of us that are involved in the process, it's really important for us to stop because for someone who wants to potentially run for office, I know you and I had met a, a wonderful young woman who, with young children who wants to be involved. Make it so that way she wants to run for office or she encourages others to run for office. How do we end the craziness. So that way we are, those of us, especially those of us that live in blue states, can feel comfortable voicing our political opinions, not being canceled and not being shunned by our friends. Well, I'll tell you, Jen, I'm going to talk about an example where I was on a panel talking about the underrepresentation of um of groups of people in Massachusetts, whether they were Republicans, whether they were Latinx, whether they were, um, you know, Black Americans. And this was about discussing the lack of representation in certain areas. And, you know, talking about lacking of Republicans, you know, get a little chided by it. But, you know, truly, it's we have a brand problem here in we have a, bear, a brand problem. And that's you know something that is going to take a little bit of leadership to, to get over. But the point I want to make is, as I was leaving the uh, session, the reporter came up to me and said, well, are you going to vote for Trump? And I said, really? We just talked about how we can't get people to run for office because you have the media right in your face trying to you know get you you know, get that whole, you know, words out of your mouth that then will hurt you. And I, and I went to the organization's organizer and I said, you know what, we just had this two hour discussion about how do we get people to feel okay to run for office in their belief system. And that was my first experience walking out the door. So there you go. It is, you know, the media who just wants to put you in a box. That's a problem. That is a problem. So if you have that more liberal or biased media, you know, and if they don't like what you have to say, they have the power of the pen. And so that's why having someone doing podcasts and doing other ways of getting to people to communicate and, and truly when in the beginning, when Donald Trump, you know, started to have 25 million Twitter followers or whatever, I was like, that's great because you can talk directly to the people because you get this filtered. It wasn't Walter Cronkite anymore. You know, now we have the George Stephanopoulos, who's, you know, who, who's going to throw, you know, softballs. But unfortunately, you know, Donald Trump wasn't able to 
you know, contain himself in some ways. Some of it is theater and we have to understand that. But unfortunately for the person who has to then, you know, stand by or stand off, it becomes a real challenge for at the local level because everyone wants to associate you with your, you know, party and your president. I don't know if you read about how Andrew Yang just went from the Democrat to an independent, you know, now because he says, I can't be as free to speak if I'm labeled a Democrat. So, you know, there's just a lot of that going on. It'd be nice to have, I mean, you know, one of the things that's really the no labels that's down in Washington. You know, my husband was always saying, if you were to be elected, that's a really great place to be because you could try to make some progress. The other thing is running for office is so different than governing, you know, and I've been on both sides. It's so hard because, you, you know, in the, in, as you run, you do need to have sound bites. You do need to try to, you know, relate to people and you've got to, and I always said to, I don't never want to use the word fight, but you have to fight for your positions. And then when you're governing, you govern everybody. So it's a real dichotomy of a personality. And that's hopefully what we can get more training on for people to, to understand that and what words you can use when you're running versus, you know, where you're going to position yourself as a, a bureaucrat and a governance. Um, Beth, can you get that memo out to the squad by any chance? Because yeah. um, apparently, you know, Israel is our our fiercest uh, opponent and we should then support Palestine. And we've got AOC crying after she makes a vote that she didn't know she was actually voting on. So then she starts crying after she made the vote because she messed up and she failed her fellow squad members. You know, I think we we see with Ayanna Presley, who is my congresswoman, that she is opposed to cleaning up a drug issue, a drug infestation issue and homelessness issue in the city because she would rather wait for it to be handled a different way. In the meantime, it's it's imposing a public health and public safety risk Mm -hmm. to everyone who lives in the city of Boston. We see that in Portland. And, you know, we're seeing this all over the country. And so I love what you're saying. You know, and the unfortunate thing is, I think right now we have a lot of entertainers. We have a lot of people. I used to I used to say this when I was young. And of course, I'm in politics. And so, you know, this is one for me, too. But I used to say, you know, people land up in politics because they couldn't make it in a <laughs> in entertainment. And so we land up on this end. Um, And so I think some of these uh, folks that are elected to office currently should have been entertainers. They should have tried out for the school play and they should not be in Washington. Uh, And and it's on both sides, right? Uh, that's, That's the part that's sad. And the polarization is that the media would prefer covering the entertainers, the ones that are getting the most hits, the ones that are being the nastiest. And Mm -hmm. in the meantime, we do have other folks who are really trying to get things done. And even if you don't agree with their politics, they are willing to sit down and and negotiate. And I think that's what we need more of. We need more of the agreeing to disagree and sit down and do the right thing for the people that you are elected to represent. We have a we still have a representative democracy last time I checked. Um, And that means once you're elected, you are supposed to be the person who's elected for all and not just for a small special interest group, Um, which, you know, kind of brings me back again to um, 
you know, encouraging new people to get out there and, and run for office, right? And not just run, but encourage, encourage your friend, encourage your parent, encourage your child um, to run for office and, and to take that leap because in local office, especially in, in municipal office around the country, there's no party designation that goes along with it. So what's wonderful about that is you can run, it's an off cycle election. It's really super local. It's, you know, if you are the, the, um, team mom or, you know, the soccer mom, the hockey mom, you're the local business owner. Uh, you're the waitress at the restaurant. I mean, I, I waitress at this one restaurant in New York for 15 years, I was there through busing and waitressing and hostessing. Um, you're that person. You're ripe to run for a local office because you understand what's going on. And there is no party designation. And you're really talking about if it's a school board, you're talking about school issues, if it's planning, if it's right. So what is your advice for someone who is a small business owner or is the mom who helps on Girl Scouts or the person who's always organized. I have one girlfriend who's always organizing the book club meetings and, you know, it's 20 women and it's invite only and it's this big thing. How does that person get encouraged to run for office, knowing that this polarization goes on, knowing that social media is terrible? How do you explain to someone to get involved? Well, I, mean, I just have this experience because another young woman that I like to think I mentor is in a situation right now where she's going to be fired from her job um, because it's over COVID. She had COVID. She's of childbearing age. She really doesn't want to get the vaccination. And so she's just kind of holding out a little bit, but she will be fired. And so that's just the situation. We don't have to go into the rights or wrongs of all of that. But the point to her is, now she has an issue that she's become passionate about because it's her opinion, it's her belief. And so from- Wait, that, what happened to uh, my body, my choice? <laughs> <laughs> that only works for one issue. It doesn't yeah, work for anything exactly. else, right? <laughs> so, but um, so, uh, you know, I've mentioned to her it, to, you know, maybe this is a, a stepping stone for you. And of course, she's like, I don't want to, you know, waste six years of, you know, education. I said, you don't, you, you have your life and you have your politics. And I think, you know, for you and I, for me, okay, this will date me. I went to the 1988 National Convention and seeing Tom Selleck up on the dais there, I think that's what wrote me in. But I think, you know, I listened and I agreed and I got passionate and that just kept happening, you know, and I started to form my own opinions about issues. Same with this young woman. Now you have an opinion, you know, and that's something that you can run on. So I think that that's when that starts. When you say, look at, or, you know, I can, my example of, you know, my child school serving hydrogenated oils. I mean, I know, you know, you have an issue, but to me that mattered because they didn't get out of your body. And I was kind of like, but I got the runaround. I got to speak to seven different people. And then I finally ran for president of the parents association and got it out of the school. So that's what happens. I think that's how we find, you know, some of that energy with people, young people, young women, older women, anybody who's found an issue that they are passionate about, that they can say, I, I want to put myself forward and see if I have other people who will agree with me. And it happens all over, all the time, everywhere. And the challenge is to try to find them and say, you know, encourage them. And tough as it is, you know, take a step 
and you know, you're worthy of it. You're worthy of it. And that's the message. I love that. I think that that is exactly what more uh, women need to hear and, and understand. And, and it's important because I think, especially on the local level, you know, the municipal level, and I'm not talking AOC. So you could wear that stupid dress and go to a Met Gala and violate all sorts of rules about what you can take yeah. um, because I think it's still $50. And I think that dress was probably more in the Met Gala ticket. It's like 30 5,000 or something, but, you know, more local where you can really change. I know running for city council, it was, I'm watching my daughter as we're walking to school, fly over missing bricks in the sidewalk and almost knocking out her teeth like 10 times, you know, in a month. And it's, it's not just one spot, it's numerous spots. And mm. I'm watching old ladies, you know, walk across the crosswalk and cars zoom right through and not paying attention to the lights and drivers with, you know, Cheech and Chung type smoke coming out of their windows because they're smoking weed, because apparently just because it's legal, that means that you can do it and drive. But I can't walk around with a Bloody Mary on a Sunday morning. So (laughs) I wanted uh, there were so many issues. The fact that my side of the city doesn't have any public elementary schools and when in creating an equitable city, you can't create equitable equity when you don't have public schools in one side of the city. And so all of those issues made me want to run for office. And even my friends that were super liberal knew that my heart was pure on these issues, that I really wanted to make a better, safer city and neighborhood for all of our families. So can I interrupt and say, circling it back though, Jen, it's from that local level. And again, the, the all politics is local, but all organizing needs to start locally too. And that's what other parties and other people are good at the community organizing and having that, you know, that voice and that either by fear or by embarrassingly saying things that make you feel like you're, you, your different opinion is bad. So that's where it's important for local prospects to get that network, to, to find those, you know, because that, you know, that's what you need, you know, campaigning, it's just, you need people, you need money, you need all those things. You know, there's just a lot of people who are good at that. And we need to, I say the we, but women, you know, need to, that that's really a, a module of just saying, okay, how do you start to get people? Cause you, cause that is how you start to drive the force. One thousand percent. And you actually hit on something I like to talk about, which is community organizing is not is not the job that Barack Obama had and put on his resume. It is community plus organizing. It is knowing your community, having a, a having resources in the community, having friends in the community, knowing the business owners, being able to have conversations plus the organizing of them, you know, like I said about whether it's junior league and, and organizing, you know, your friends going out to a bar um, or bar class, um, whether it's Girl Scout cookie sales or, you know, it's your book club, whatever it is, it's that community plus the organizing that when you get that ends up giving you that grassroots movement underneath you and your friends have powerful voices. They have powerful Mm -hmm. voices in the community to walk in and to say to someone, you know, it doesn't matter what party they're affiliated with. Here's what I know about this person. 
She's mm-hmm. a fabulous person. She's super smart. She has a great work ethic. And, and to be able to talk about the person as a person, as opposed to just a thing. And I think that's one of the things that we're missing right now with a lot mm-hmm. of our leaders is that they're not leaders. They're, they're puppets and they are in there and they're not leaving. And we need more people who are known in their communities, known commodities, and are actually starting a grassroots movement, not by people that they're just paying to um, be organizers and grassroots organizers, but actual community um, Mm -hmm. that is organizing. Well, Beth, thank you so much for um, this awesome interview. I really appreciate it. I love your insights. You and I have such similar backgrounds. (laughs) It's always so crazy to me. I'm like, I know my parents didn't get divorced. My dad died. I worked, you know, two jobs, was involved in politics and did all that schooling and never regret a minute of it. But I think that's probably why uh, you and I put ourselves out on the limb as we have, because we know what's at stake and, and it's important to be out there and, and fighting for the things that we worked really hard for. I appreciate you being here. If anyone wanted to find you, are you on LinkedIn or Twitter? I am. And that is a good question of what my handles are, but I would say it's probably like it at Beth Lindstrom. I'm pretty easy to find, I would say. So isn't that awful? When you have a campaign, some people do those things for you and then you're like, oh, wow, I don't really know what that is. So that's an embarrassment. But anyhow, no, I, uh, I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn and I can be found there for sure. Awesome. That's wonderful. Well, Beth Lindstrom, thank you Thanks. so much for being here with me. Thank you again to Beth Lindstrom for being here with me and discussing all these important topics and issues that we face as Republicans in a blue state. I think it's really important. Some of the things that she hit on is, is media and social media and how poorly we get treated in that space. So next time before you're on Facebook and you are trashing someone, or you take to Twitter and like some obnoxious comment that you see, think about it because you wouldn't like that happening to yourself. So I think a little bit here that we need to take away is the do on to others as you would have them do on to you. Instead of being hateful and mean-spirited and acting like the mean girl in high school, maybe understand that people are entitled to their perspective We live in a country where I think we still have that First Amendment thing that gives you the right to free speech. It does give you the right to call out things you don't like, but I think it also should make you think about some things like, I don't know, don't be mean. Or when your mom would tell you when you were a kid, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Keep that perspective in mind because we need to encourage good people to run for office. And if they feel as though their voices are always being silenced or they're always having folks run into the bathroom after them or take a kayak out after them, who's going to run for office? It's going to be the Looney Tunes on either side. We see that. We see that with the squad. Why don't we all just become a more respectful society, teach our kids to be respectful, ask our friends to just take a breath before buying into all the BS that we read on social media. Because if we stop that, the media is going to have to get a little bit kinder as well. That's my parting thought for the day.
Thanks so much for listening to Political Contessa. For all the ways to listen and to get the inside scoop on what's happening in center-right politics for women like us, head over to politicalcontessa.com. Contessa.com.